Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Some things bear repeating. Um, my assumption is that if you remember back on your childhood, you probably heard parents or grandparents or whomever was likely raising you repeating things to you. Um, if you're kiddos now, you're probably feeling that, right? You're experiencing, like, continuing to hear the same things over and over again. I'm assuming that we have many educators in this room, and so you know the benefit of repetition and hearing things and working through things again and again. And so things bear repeating. So maybe do a little exercise in repetition this morning. So if you will, make your way, your eyes to the screen if they're not already. Maybe this brief exercise, maybe it'll prove it or maybe it'll disprove my point. We shall see. But you're going to see a, a series of images that are going to flash on the screen in a moment. I want you just to kind of watch the images and we're going to do a little bit of brief survey at the end. So check them out. All right. Check it out. All right. There we go. Keep looking. By the way, these are restaurants here in Greensburg, KY, that you could frequent or whatever, maybe, maybe not. I think somebody just said French fries. All right, so those are the series of images. I want to ask you, if what stood out to you the most? Sorry, they're just delayed a little bit, aren't they? Okay. Um, if Lee stood out to you the most today, would you raise your hand? All right. Blake Edwards is the only person, I think. So you're the only person going there today. He's going to be lonely. He's going to want somebody to go with him. So, sorry, I love you, Edwards. I wouldn't have called you out. I know you as well. So, Subway. Who Subway stood out to you? All right. Okay. Let's see here. Um, how about DQ? DQ stood out. Okay. What about Mickey D's? All right. So, what maybe is, maybe is it? Dominant as I thought, but that was a recurring image, right? You saw it over and over again. Advertisers, there's a reason why marketing, right? They continually place things before you again and again and again. There's something about repetition. It works, right? We remember it most. It stands out the most to us. And they come at you at different ways, different angles. And so my point in doing that is, is because there's something that bears repeating. And it wasn't my decision. It was, in fact, the prophet Isaiah who was hearing from God. And so this was ultimately God's decision. And about three months ago today, on October 4th, we heard a sermon entitled this, Behold Your God. Today we will return back in Isaiah 35 and you will hear from the prophet who will again say to us, Behold Your God. Because some things just bear repeating. Some things we just needed to be reminded of. Again, remember, the people of Judah, Jerusalem here, the southern kingdom, the Assyrians, this world power are breathing down their throats. They are coming to slaughter and annihilate them. All right, there is a real enemy. And Isaiah's refrain is just keep trusting God despite the enemy, despite the bully on your door, despite the prognosis, despite the fact that you feel lonely or afraid or you're not sure where to go next. He keeps reminding the people just to set your vision here. Behold thy God. Behold your God. Because some things bear repeating. Pick up with you would Isaiah chapter 35. We'll also come into Isaiah 34 some as well as we return back to here our progression through the book. And 
working through this great work. Again, somewhere in the period of 600 to 700 B.C., the prophet writes. First thing I want you to hear today is this. Behold your God because he is your strength. Behold your God because he is your strength. The prophet writes in verse 1 of the 35th chapter of Isaiah. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy in singing. The glory of Lebanon shall be given to it. The majesty of Carmel and Sharon. They shall see the glory of the Lord. The majesty of our God. And then I think verse 3 kind of functions like the Oreo. The sweet spot in the middle, right? Verse 1 and 2 is... It's telling them something in verse 3 and 4 is now calling them to this. And then verse 5 and 6 is going to be further reason why they should be hoping. So listen to what he says. Verse 3 of Isaiah 35. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble needs. Say to those who have an anxious heart. So again, we've heard about the fact that the prophet says the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and actually blossom. Some of you need to hear that hope this morning. That the desert that you are in, the wilderness that you have found yourself in, this dry, parched land, and maybe it's your own soul, that God can indeed revive it again. But this is for the people of Israel as they see their land desecrated, right? They are are people that are utterly dependent upon the rain, right? And again, we live in a world in which you turn the faucet on, but you travel outside these boundaries. Beloved, that is not the majority of the world. They do not live there. They depend upon clean water daily. You are blessed to be able to turn a faucet on, to flush a toilet. And so the people here are experiencing God is using this to say, guys, I am going to turn what you believe to be impossible. I'm going to transform it. And so look what he calls them to do. Look what he says here. He says to them, strengthen weak hands. Make firm feeble knees. Say to those who have an So again, they're going to say to those who have an anxious heart. Weak hands, feeble or shaky knees, some translations render it an elevated heart rate, right? Some of you probably experienced some of that when they pull the needle out. How many of you like that, right? They go to the needle to give it a good shot or an IV, right? Do you ever feel those like, right? I'm like, I think I'm going to pass out, right? Anybody anybody else besides me? You're all looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. Thank you. There's a few of us, okay? The rest of you are in denial, I'm guessing. But anyway, whatever the case, right? I mean, we have those moments, right? This is what's happening again. The people are shaking. Why? Because they see a world power that's coming in. The world power that's coming in, they slaughter women and children, okay? This is not like, oh, we're going to come in and occupy you. They slaughter you. They take your children and throw them off the wall. They'll put hooks in your noses, literally, and carry you out in a line, stripped naked. That's who's coming to their door. That's why they're shaking. They're terrified. Right? I mean, for you, listen, I'm assuming that there's been points in your life where you've had someone bigger than you, stronger than you, tougher than you, that's put a threat on you that you felt that, right? It may have been a big brother or sister, a cousin, somebody at school, right, growing up. I mean, you may have experienced that. Some of you may have experienced it now. You may live with that tyrant. That may be your spouse or your parents. Some of you, listen, it may not just be a person. It may not always be that someone. It may be a disease today. Or it may be the amount that you owe and that collector keeps calling. And listen to what I think is important here. We don't need to miss. Listen to what Isaiah says. The strengthening 
And the making firm and the saying happens in community. This is the job of the body. Listen, body, you need to help the weak. Listen, body of Christ, you need to say to those who are struggling today, don't be afraid, don't give up. Be, don't, be not anxious. Don't worry, right? I mean, listen, this is the call for the community. This is discipleship. Who in your life is someone that encourages you, that pours into you? Who's someone that maybe you need to, you just, maybe some of you need to open up. Like you're carrying all kinds of stuff and nobody here knows it. Maybe it's time to open up to one person or maybe two. Somebody you can trust, you know. For many of you, this probably happens in Sunday school. Right, I want to challenge you, and I meant to lead with this, but maybe it just fits even better now. Right, there's there's going to be upcoming training for our Sunday school teacher. I just walked in down there, man. Our Sunday school teachers and, and assistants and subs, dude, the list is filled. They are wanting to go and get better. That ought to encourage you, you if you are in a class, or that ought to encourage you here if you're considering coming to be a part of a class. Every, almost every one of our teachers signed up. They want to go and be trained. They want to do better. They want their class to grow. That ought to encourage you if you're not connected to say, listen, I, I want to be a part of somebody that's humble to say, I need to get better. But it happens in community. So I want to ask you, who in this church that's weak have you strengthened lately? Who is it that maybe had feeble needs and maybe have you checked on the widow that's maybe in this church or just across the street? Have you seen, are their gutters clean? The ice is coming. Right? I mean, are, are you looking for the weak among us? Are you, are you caring for them? Who do you know that's anxious again today? Listen, make this application. Now listen, let's be honest too. I mean, we can make further application from this. The reality is it's the new year, right? Most people are thinking about what in the new year? resolutions, right? Some type of commitment, hopefully, right? I mean, likely that's happening for many of us. Many of us has died in exercise, right? And, and you know that. You feel the fact that when it comes to diet and exercise, man, you just feel weak or you struggle, right, with that food or to get up out of the bed like I do. And like, man, I know I need to exercise this morning. I'm just not sure I can get up. Like, we need that accountability, right? We need others. There are people in this church who are gifted, Right. They they understand diet and what you need to eat. There's folks in this church, listen, who can help you get committed to exercising. They can walk beside you. So listen, if that's something you want to do, listen, the text reminds us, don't do it alone. That needs to happen in community. So, again, are you connected here enough that you're building relationships? If not, I want to invite you to come in, find someone, maybe your Sunday school class. Hey, I need some accountability. Will you walk beside me this year? Again, this is happening in community. And listen, that, that can go further. Bible reading, maybe it's serving, right? Maybe some of you, like me, you need to take your wife out on a date more than once or twice a year. Can I get a witness? We were at a place recently. This is me totally divergent. This is why my sermons run so long. That and other reasons, right? Um, and we were asking other pastors around the table, what do you and your spouse do for fun? And it was like crickets, man. I was just sitting there and the Lord's like, dude, when's the last time you took your bride on a date? Like a date. We need that, right? We need to pour in. We need the community. Some of us need accountability. We need to take our spouses out. I mean, you need time. But notice how they help the weak and the feeble. Look what he says. Say to those who have an anxious heart. Look what he says here. Uh, verse 4 of Isaiah 35. Be strong. 
fear not. Literally, he's saying to them, don't panic. Don't panic. Right? It's not just simply, look what he's going to say here in a moment. This be strong, fear not. This is not just toughen up. This is not get over it already. This is not pretend that it didn't happen. He's not saying that. Look what he does. He's going to move you to a place of faith. This is not just pretend it's not there and it'll go away or just forget about it already or get over your depression or get over whatever you're dealing with. Just, just, just scrap it and move on. Be tough enough. No, look what he says. Be strong, fear not. And here's why. Behold what? Behold what? Behold your God. This is a moment of faith. Behold your God. Listen, he calls them to faith. Put your hope there. Trust, right? You're worried. You're weak. You don't think your marriage will make it another day. Behold your God. Be strong. Fear not. Some of you, listen, you live at home and every night you hear sounds and you're terrified by the fear of it. I want you to remind you, come to God's word. Be strong. Hold fast in him and cry out. Behold God. Protect me. Watch over me until the morning comes. Some of you maybe have physical struggles and Maybe it's with addictions, whether it's smoking, drinking, different habits, things that you have that you wish you could give up and, and you just feel like there's absolutely no way. I want you to hear, behold your God. He will come. Others of you, listen, you're facing rehab or, or you need physical help, right? You're strengthening upcoming surgery or something. And you hear the words, be strong, fear not. But man, you realize you're going to have some weak hands. You're going to have some feeble needs. Your heart is going to be anxious. Today is a moment of faith for you. Behold your God. Behold your God. This God will come and strengthen you. Right? And listen to what happens when He comes. Behold, secondly, your God. Behold your God because He's the eternal judge. This is why the people of Judah, right, this southern kingdom, need to look. The people of Israel need to look because God is the eternal judge. Look with me again. Back in verse 4. Behold your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Two times in this text, we hear that God will come. Why? Because some things just bear repeating, don't they? Because some of you are there and you're wondering if God will come, then why hasn't he already? Where is he? Is he on sabbatical? Is he on vacation? Sometimes we just need to hear it when the bully doesn't leave, right? When our kids' problems don't resolve, right? When our parents don't get better, when we're not sure how to treat the mental illness or the things that are besetting those that are aging among us. And we just think some days, I'm not sure how I can go further. Listen to Isaiah the prophet say to you, Behold your God, He will come. But this God is coming. And listen to what it says here in verse 4. It is with vengeance and with the recompense of God. This flashes us back now to Isaiah 34, the previous chapter. And listen to verse 8. For the Lord has a day of vengeance, a year of recompense for the cause of Zion, for his people. The Lord's coming, this vengeance is for the wrong that is suffered by his people. Right? There's been wrong things done to his people. And it says, God wants you to know, I see it. I've not missed it. I'm coming further. The retribution that's coming or this recompense is for the wrong that's been done to his people. So not only the wrong done by his people, the wrong suffered by his people, but the wrong that's been done to his people. God says, I want you to know and and look how he deals with it. Verse two of Isaiah 34. For the Lord is enraged against who? All the nations. Everybody. Right. I want you to see the target. The target is all nations. Everyone. 
Look further with me. The totality of this. He is furious against all their hosts. Look further with me. Verse 4. All their hosts. Or verse 4. All the host of heaven shall rot away. Further, all their host shall fall. No, so again, the target is all nations, but the totality indicates all host. And the host, again, as you see there further in verse 4, you, you're hearing the skies are going to be rolled up like a scroll and the host shall fall. He's speaking of the end of time, this cataclysmic worldwide judgment of God upon the earth, right? Some of you, as you study the book of Revelation, you're hearing things here from the prophet Isaiah in 6700 B.C. that John wrote about there on the Isle of Patmos. So you're seeing, wow, Isaiah has connections to Revelation. This book connects because it has one author. Behold your God. But the host is interesting, right? It, it could indicate multiple things, and we're not certain on what those are. It may speak of the gods that they worshipped, and they believed these different deities. And again, some would worship stars or the host of heaven, right? It can indicate literally of physical stars that at the end of time, little stars are going to cast and be fallen to the earth and create great destruction, it may speak this host of heaven of Satan and the spiritual enemies against God. And whatever it is, I want you to know that in totality, not only is to target all the nations, God is going to judge everyone, all things, all people, all spiritual beings. Nothing escapes his judgment. Not even you. Behold your God. The only hope of rescue and redemption is the cross of Jesus Christ. But knowing the target all nations, knowing the totality of all host of heaven, right? There's also the time of it. Look with me, you would, back here in verse 4. All the host of heaven shall rot away, and the skies roll up like a what? Scroll, right? Some of you are hearing old hymns, you know, right? You're hearing them. You hear these texts, you think song, right? There's a reason why they wrote those songs. They were rooting them in the Scriptures because they realized that we take songs with us. We can remember those songs. Long after sometimes the sermons faded, right? So we hear those. So praise God for what Brother Corey is mentioning. Praise God for those musicians among us. Keep being faithful, brothers and sisters. You minister to us in mighty ways. Maybe God might write up some other songwriters in this place. He can do it. But look what happens here again. This skies roll up like a scroll. It says, listen, the author of this book is the God of all time, and He decides when the chapters close. He's the one that comes and rolls up this scroll. And so He's saying, listen, I want you to realize it is God's timing alone. Now you'd ask, well, Blake, if that's true about the judgment of all nations and all people and all spiritual beings, right? And God alone decides that, but that's not to the end. How should that impact me today? Paul takes Romans 12 and gives us an example. Romans 12, verse 17, is a refrain that is often repeated in our house. Repay no one evil what? Repay no one evil for evil. That includes upward basketball, right? It includes wherever you may go. Repay no one evil what? For evil. Man, what if you grab that? But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Further with me. Verse 18 of Romans 12. If possible, so far as it depends on you. It depends on you, Paul says. It depends on you. You can't control every situation. Some people won't listen. Some people are never going to. Right? I mean, just live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Why, Paul? This is hard. This is hard. This is not easy, right? It's not easy to not avenge yourselves when someone mouths off. Or they say something about your kiddos or talk about my mama. Right? Like, what? 
right? The crane, come on. That's old school for some of you, right? You see it, you hear it. Wax on, wax off. All right, I'm done, but come back with me. Come back. Listen, but love it, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to what? The wrath of God. Why can we trust this God's wrath and judgment? Listen to what he says. Thinking about Isaiah 35. Four, he says. Here's why. It is written. Notice the word here. What's the word? Vengeance. The very word the prophet Isaiah has been using. Vengeance is. It's yours. It's yours as a brother or sister. Vengeance is yours as a spouse. Vengeance is yours as a co-worker. Vengeance is yours as, uh, I don't know, fill in the blank. No, look what he says. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So t- one of two things you can be certain of. I said it before, but this is absolutely transformational in my way of thought. I need a lot of this, right? I need a lot. I need to keep hearing it. Hello, McFly, right? I need to hear a lot of that. Right? I don't know what's up with the movie quotes today. They're just flowing, right? Anyway, listen. One of two things is true. The wrongs that have been done to you, one of two things is true. Either it's been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. You just sang it earlier, all your sins. Or that person will refuse repentance and forgiveness and God will judge it at the end of time. So that means every wrong that has ever been done to you will experience God's judgment. Either Christ will bear the weight of that sin, or they will or you will, because you've refused it. And because of that, Paul says, repay no one evil for evil. Because this vengeance that Isaiah writes about, Paul says that's God's. Why? Because you can never give the right amount of vengeance. You and I will always give too much or too little. It doesn't mean we don't have judgment, right? That's not not denying those things. There's times of that, right? I'm not saying, well, as parents, we should just let our kids do whatever, right? Some of you think I probably do that already, right? By the way, my kids act. But listen, nonetheless, listen. He says, listen, I want you to trust in God. Thirdly, behold your God because he can do the impossible. Some of you need to hear this. Behold your God because he can do the impossible. Pick up me verse 5, right? So, again, you've heard in verse 4, right, about God coming. Your God will come with vengeance, with recompense of God. He will come and save you. Verse 5, then, verse 6, then. Here's the result of that coming. Again, the Oreo in the middle is verse 4, 3 and 4, right? 1 and 2 is both on the 5 and 6 on the sides. So listen. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstop. Then the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For, he says here, Waters break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. What Isaiah is doing here is speaking to the people language they understand. They see that disabilities and the things that he's just described and the fact of wilderness and streams. Those indicate the most hopeless or helpless of situations, right? That's the, that's the way they understood it, right? Listen to a couple of these, just for example, so you understand. Why is he using these as examples? He's using the most impossible of situations to tell them nothing is impossible for God. No matter what you think is the worst of the worst, you think it's beyond, beyond, your your whatever, right? You put in that category, that's beyond hope, that'll never change, that could never happen for us. He's using it. Listen, two examples. One, Second Samuel 9, Mephibosheth, right? Part of Saul's household and David takes over and... 
David, listen what Mephibosheth says to him in 2 Samuel 9, verse 8. And he paid homage to David and said, What is your servant that you should regard for a, look what he calls himself, a dead dog such as I. Now, Mephibosheth was not only from the house of Saul. Mephibosheth was lame. And he just saw himself as a dead dog. Look what the prophet Jeremiah writes again about this idea of the wilderness, the desert. Listen to how hopeless of it is. Jeremiah 2 and verse 6. They did not say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt, who led us in the wilderness, in a land of deserts and pits, in a land of drought and deep darkness, in a land that none passes through where no man dwells. They say, you're in no man's land. That's hopeless. That's helpless. And Isaiah is writing to us so we realize and hear, listen, God can do that. He can transform that. Even your most hopeless and helpless, right? Whoever that person is, or maybe it's you you see in the mirror. God says, I can transform that. Don't give up on that son or daughter. Don't give up on that niece or nephew. Don't give up on that parent. Don't give up on that friend at work. I can do the impossible. Behold your God, beloved. Some things bear repeating. Others of you here, verse 5 and 6, and you were thinking, hey, I know somebody like that. You're right. Listen to Luke 7, verse 22. The master, the Lord Jesus Christ himself speaking. Listen to what he says. They are asking who he is. Are you the one? Are you the Messiah? Are you the prophet? Listen, are you the great one that was to come? Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 7, verse 22. And he answered them, go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive what? Their sight. The lame what? Lepers are cleansed. The deaf what? The dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. Jesus says to tell John, the one that Isaiah spoke about, he's here. Now hold up for just a minute. Pause. Who is this? Verse 4 said, behold who? Your God will what? Come. And when he comes, this is what happens. Jesus is saying, God's come, it's me. It's me, John. The one that Isaiah said, he said God would come and then this would happen. Tell him God has come in the flesh by the God-man Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Wow. Fourth and last, behold your God because He alone can provide everlasting joy. Behold your God because He alone can provide probably what you're desperately after. Everlasting, never-ending joy. I just want to be happy. I just want to have peace. I don't want all this anymore. Listen what Isaiah says. He's got an answer for you. It's not you. It's not fixing your situation. He says the only answer is ultimately God coming for you. Listen to what he says here. Verse 8 of Isaiah 35. And a highway shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. It shall belong. Listen, this is interesting, all right? I think this is significant. So it's called the way of holiness. It shall belong to, right? This is who this is, right? It shall belong to those who what? Who walk on the way. Notice he says walk. The walk is right an indication of lifestyle. This is the way that they live. 
He doesn't say, listen, the way of holiness, this, this life of godliness, this way of entrance ultimately into God's kingdom. Listen to what he says here. It's not simply those that talk about the way. Like, oh, I go to Bible study, I go to Sunday school, I'm in a small group, I'm good. No, he doesn't say, listen, it's about those who hear about the way. This belongs to those who hear about the way. So I hear a sermon, that must mean I'm good. I go to church, I hear things. No. He doesn't say it's simply those who like the way. Like, I see something I like on Facebook, it's about God, it's a Bible verse. I give that a thumbs up, I like it, it's awesome. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not degrading any of those things. All those are important. But notice what he says. It shall belong to those who walk on the way. This is their life. So some of you, listen, you're, you're professing to be a Christian. But as God's word says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Titus says, listen, these people or, or Paul, as he writes to Titus, says, these people claim to know me, but by their very actions, their life, their walk, they deny me. The way of holiness must be walked on and lived, beloved. This is not simply just what you're saying. This is also the way that you live, which indicates a redeemed heart. And that's what he says. Here, look what he says. But the redeemed shall walk there, verse 9. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy. The word here that's used, this word redeemed, Right, notice he says, the redeemed shall walk there. Redemption indicates that of that kinsman redeemer. And so if you read the book of Ruth, right, who came ultimately to redeem Naomi's family? Do you remember who that guy was? Boaz, right? He was the kinsman redeemer ultimately that showed up at the gate and took off the shoe and said, I'll claim her and I'll have children in the name of the dead man, right? This kinsman redeemer, this idea was the one in the family who would avenge. If someone in the family was murdered, they were the avenger. This was the one that stepped in the place to protect and to watch over the family when the helpless and those could not help and protect themselves. And look what God just said. He said, that's all of us. That's us. We cannot save ourselves. You cannot be good enough. You can't come here enough. You didn't put enough in that plate this morning. The Lord had to come and redeem you. The ultimate kinsman redeemer is the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. He gave His life for you. To redeem you. And listen, look what happens, right? When we get to that place. This way of holiness. Notice what He says here, that there's going to be everlasting joy. Gladness and joy. Shall be attained there. It never ends. Forever pleasure, perfect happiness. But not only what's there, notice also, listen, beloved, what's not there? Look what he says here. No lion shall be there. No more enemies. Hear that this morning. No more enemies. No more threat. No more danger. No more fear at night. No more terror for your life. No more. Look what he says further. Verse, back, back here at the end of verse 10. And sorrow and sighing, what? Shall flee away. No more sadness. No more burden. No more being worried. No more being stressed. No more being overwhelmed. No more being afraid. No more being lonely. No more depression. No more suicidal thoughts. No more feeling of worthlessness. No more having a, feeling alone. And whatever else you want to put there, listen, the sorrow and the sign will be gone forever. 
This is what God came to rescue you for. Everlasting joy. Perfect peace. Eternal happiness. But look who won't experience that. Listen to what he says here. And a highway, verse 8, shall be there, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. Some of you here are skeptical. You think the judgment won't come. Isaiah 34 says you're wrong. Further, some of you have bought into the, the theology or the philosophy that love wins, that there's a God of love. He would never, ever send anyone to hell. I want to remind you today that what you think or feel, God's word trumps that feeling or thought. And his word is explicit. The unclean shall not pass over it. So the only question that you and I must ask now is, am I clean? And the only way to be clean is to come to the Redeemer. Some things bear repeating. Behold your God. Come and receive forgiveness today. Come and be cleansed of all of your sin today. Repenting, acknowledging that your life is unclean and you can't make it clean. But God in His grace, His mercy will forgive you and pardon you and bring you into His kingdom. Some of us, listen, you're already in Christ. You say, Blake, I'm good, I'm clean. Then what about all of your family that is not? What about the people that you will stare in the eyes tomorrow when you return back to work or your class? What about the neighbor across the street? What about all the nations and the people groups that have never even heard? Behold your God. Will you not go? Will you not leverage yourself? Will you not begin saving even right now to begin giving differently this year to Lottie Moon or Annie Armstrong or these offerings to help send more money to help more people go? Beloved, behold your God. The way, Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth and I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Except by me. He's the only way. The unclean will not pass there. And the only way to be made clean is to come and ask for him to cleanse you. And his blood will cleanse every stain. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Your word is unbelievable this morning. God, I, I, I just, Lord, I, I can only imagine what you must be doing in the hearts and lives of the people. Because I know what you've been doing in my own heart and life. Just preaching this message like, God, your word is so good. Your son is so great. He's he is the Messiah. He's the savior. He is God in the flesh. Lord, everything that was promised, Lord, it has all come to fulfillment in your son. And, and Lord, we're waiting for that even ultimate fulfillment. God, I thank you. Lord, I pray now for all those who are hurting here, who are distressed, who are in the midst of sorrow and sighing. Father, I pray today they would come to the son. I pray you would give this church a burden for all of those who we know that are unclean, that we would take the gospel to them. Father, glorify your son, Jesus. You said when he is lifted up, he will draw all men unto himself. Lord, would you draw today people unto your son, Jesus, that they might become clean. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, 
Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. Have a great day today.